Welcome into Buccaneers Insider Live. Casey Phillips and Scott Smith here. And man, they are making our jobs easy these last couple weeks. So many things to talk about starting out 2-0, a division road win, beating the defending Super Bowl champs. I mean, this is just about as fun as it gets. Stay humble, Casey. Yeah, I, I, Stay humble. I thought about having us both show up that in the outfit, but I knew that we couldn't pull it off like he did. It would just... The lack of the beard would be a problem. Yes, that yes, is true. You're going to need to give me a couple months to try to get it. Yeah, you, I mean, I, I might need a little longer <laughs> than that, but you never know. Uh, so yeah, I mean, that was just so much fun. And I know people probably have tons of thoughts, comments, questions about these games and the one coming up Monday Night Football. We are taking all of those on the Facebook page, so head over to the Buccaneers Facebook page if that's not already where you're watching. Comment underneath our live video, and that's where we will see all those questions. And yeah, as, as those come in. Let, let's let's acknowledge that it's only two games. We're not getting overexcited. We're not talking Super Bowl. I'm overly types. excited. <laughs> Actually, I think I'm the perfect amount of excitement. Well, there you which go. Is extremely right. excited. I don't have to be one of those people that stays humble. Like we I just guess get to not. be ridiculous. But fans. I mean, you don't want to make any assumptions based on two games. But right. but on the other hand, it, not only are we two and zero, it's such in such exciting fashion. Let's yes. enjoy it while yes. it's while it's happening. The Bucks have been two and zero before. Uh, not since 2010, but they did win 10 games when that happened. Right. Uh, more often than not, when they've started out 2-0, they've been in playoff contention. There's been a couple seasons that sort of went off the rails after that. But it's happened eight times, which you'd like it to be a bigger number. But um, this is different, and I'll tell you why. <coughs> the Buccaneers have never started a season 2-0 with wins over two teams that were in the playoffs the previous year. Wow. They've never even started 2-0 with wins over two teams that were over 500 the year before. This is the best two-game start in that regard in wow. team history. Yeah. I mean, the Super Bowl season, that, that team actually lost their first game. Um, uh, it was kind of fluky. But uh, so it, there's a lot of reasons to feel good about this. And right. now you, you've, you've made it through two-thirds of what everybody considered to be a ridiculous opening season gauntlet. The In terms of number of wins, the hardest three-game start any team has ever had. Right. You are coming off a 5-11 and 11 season, and you have your starting quarterback suspended. It's understandable that people would think, Bucks are going to maybe struggle to get one win out of the first three and then try to right themselves and, and get back in the race. Yeah. You're playing with house money now at 2-0, and and now you're Huge. home against a Pittsburgh team that clearly is very good but also has looked vulnerable. I right. mean, I don't know. I don't really bet sports betting. Um, NFL, you hear that? I don't really Yeah, we don't, we don't do I, that. But it, it is true. I never. No, we're not allowed to do that. We <laughs> took never. that gambling course last week. Yes. Um, <laughs> But I would imagine there's a shot that the Buccaneers would actually be favored in this game. And right. so if you're all of a sudden favored to go 3-0 and through that gauntlet, it'll be an opening season that everybody around here should be absolutely excited about. I mean, who could have seen this coming? Yeah, I th which I think is so incredible. And I think there is something to the idea of playing as underdogs, that teams have always done well when people – when it feels like there's nothing to lose and you can just play so freely. And I feel like that's when a lot of big plays happen is teams are hmm. just – letting it fly almost and I wonder how much of that just pours into this idea of the confidence that they've had of like why not us yeah. you know no one's better can't on hurt us. can't hurt let's go I, well, a little concrete reason I think we're getting all those big plays is that we have awesome players on oh offense. my gosh our offense just looks incredible especially the pass catchers I think overall especially because we talk about wide receivers but I want to hear your thoughts on pass catchers overall and do you okay. think we have the best unit in the league yeah well I think you definitely would it's going to sound homerish for us to say so but right. I think it objectively they had to at least be in the discussion for the best group of pass right, catchers yeah, and I, would agree with I that. think it's probably the case uh, just top to bottom so many weapons one I'd like to talk about is Mike Evans now Deshaun Jackson understandably and for good reason has been the biggest story of these first two games he leads us in yards he leads us in touchdowns right. every pass we've thrown to him has been completed he's averaging like 30 yards per catch and per target which is incredible right, right? <coughs> but 
I, disco- I discovered this statistic on NFL Jesus uh, yesterday, mm-hmm. and I talked about it on our podcast with Jeff Ryan, Salty Dogs, but I know not every single person here is going to listen to that podcast, so I'm going right. to throw it out here as well. It's called Net Yards Over Average. And if you – it's kind of a complicated stat, but if you're a hockey fan at all and you've heard of plus minus, mm-hmm. you know what that means? Right. So if you're on the ice, goal mm-hmm. differential, and, um, you know, if you're on the ice and your team scores more, you get a good plus minus. Right. means you're a good player, right? Yeah. This is somewhat a, an NFL equivalent to that. They take um, six years' worth of outcomes, every play of every game, and using that, they have an average of what you should expect on any given play. Like first and 10 at the 25 should get you 5.9 yards or something like that. Uh, so if you get more than that or less than that, that impacts your differential there, your net yard differential. And if you're right. on the field, you get credit for that, every player that is. Okay. So like that first play of the game, we were expected to get about five yards, and we got 75. So that's like a plus 70 for every player on the field right there. Right, yeah. Mike Evans leads the entire NFL in net yards over average right now. The entire – every wow. position, every player, he is number one in wow. both overall and per play. That's incredible. <coughs> now, all of our offense is up there because the offense has been ridiculous. Right, yeah, right? they're going to so be leading a lot of categories. We, we have 952 or 82, something like that, yards, incredible. and we probably – we're expected to have about six or 700 at this point. So you're right. everybody's well over. You see all our offensive right. linemen right there near the top. But Mike's even higher than that because he's not on for every single play. But when he's on there, we're averaging like 12 yards a play, which is insane. That's incredible. And, uh, and I'll give you a concrete example or a couple of them. The first touchdown to Deshaun Jackson in uh, New Orleans, I think we already discussed this. Uh, the reason Fitz stares at Mike Evans and the safety and another player go to him, that's why Deshaun's wide open. Okay. The, the threat of Mike Evans right. is helping Deshaun Jackson. That's huge. On the 75-yard touchdown, Deshaun said that the, s- the safety in the top in center field left to go cover Mike Evans, and that's hmm. why he was so wide open. Right. So Mike Evans is impacting plays when he's 25 to 30 yards away from the ball. Wow, that's incredible. That's a great stat. And it's what we've always talked about even with, like, Gerald McCoy and the idea of needing people around exactly. to distract everyone. So now it seems like we have that on offense and defensive. Yeah, let's ins- talk about that. Which is huge. So, yeah, the, the defense overall, I know the, fo- the, f- the first game was incredibly exciting from an offensive standpoint, but the defense had said they don't want to be allowing 40, 40 points, points in yeah. a game. And so uh, what did you see from week one to week two that changed about that? Well, defense? I'd like to address first your, your very good point about Jerry McCoy. Um, that's why you bring in Jason Pierre-Paul Pierre and mm-hmm. Vinnie Curry and, and so on, and especially those two who are your new, your new starting defensive ends. The pass rush has not been overwhelming so far four sacks for two games is good, but not awesome. But they did hit Nick Foles 12 times in that game, which is a lot. Right. Jason Pierre-Paul hit him four times, okay? Curry and Pierre-Paul, your two new starting ends, already have one sack each. Again, that's not overwhelming. Right. But it's a really encouraging start because I went back and looked at it. You know when the last time both of our opening day starting defensive ends already had at least one full sack just two games in the season? When? 2001. Wow. Marcus Jones and Simeon Rice which not bad company we've been looking for something productive on the it on the edges for a long time even put some draft picks into yeah. it a lot of free agent signings and nothing's really turned out two games doesn't prove anything right. but it's a really encouraging start that's huge i love that idea and, and so <coughs> do you feel like this is something that you see the defense are all even though there have been some injuries we haven't seen Brenton grimes yet we know we've lost vernon hargraves for a while that there there was concern of what is this defense mm-hmm. going to look like with some yeah. pieces missing do you still think we don't know the injury situation yet we don't have an injury report until tomorrow, or actually maybe probably, probably Thursday. Thursday. Yeah. yeah, I forgot about that. It'd be Thursday. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are your thoughts on this defense overall and what they might be able to do on Monday, not knowing for yeah. sure who all's healthy? You know, they still gave up 400-something yards to the Eagles, and that's not ideal. Right. Uh, but nowadays, yards 
aren't really as great of a measuring stick as they right. used to be. Everybody's putting up huge amount of yards. Right. I mean, when the Buccaneers had that great defense that won the Super Bowl, they gave up like 225 yards a game. That, that would be unheard of now. Even right. the best defenses are giving up. Like I looked at the Eagles had a very good defense last year, and they gave up like 340 yards a game. I mean – And when you're playing from behind – you're yes. going to be trying for that as well. And so it actually, you exactly. know, you can see that a team gives up a lot, but it might be because they were winning yeah. by so much. And that's exactly two. what happened in that Philadelphia game in particular. New Orleans, they did do a lot. But in their Philly game, up 27-6, the defense made a lot of good plays early on. Not 27-6, 27-7, mm-hmm. right? And then they did, as you said, we're, we're trying to protect the lead. We're running the clock. We're giving the ball back to them. They had like 36 minutes of right. – uh, uh, time of possession compared to ours because we kept hitting big touchdowns and mm-hmm. then otherwise we had a lot of three and outs when we were trying to run out the clock. Um, so you give up a lot of yards, but think about it. We gave up 21 points, which isn't terrible, and the last seven in rows was on that insane fourth down pass. I still can't believe Nick Foles got that ball <laughs> in there. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you have to give the other team credit for making a ridiculous Very play. True. But before that happened, the Bucks made the Eagles take like seven plays from about the 15-yard line in. They made a bunch of stops before that fourth down play. And what that did was it ran like two or three more minutes off the clock, which ended up being crucial at the end. Mm-hmm. So it's about making some big plays. The Quan Alexander strip sack, the Levante David stop on fourth down on Zach Ertz. You gotta make some big plays. Uh, Justin Evans, where he almost got killed making that diving breakup and, and the pass rush has been great on that play. So I think it's still reasonable to be concerned about this secondary because you have such young guys getting so many snaps. But if they can continue to get the kind of pressure they got against Philadelphia, it'll make it possible for those guys to make some plays when we really need it. Yeah, that's a great point. And, of course, I just love that Fitzmagic has been such a thing this week. <laughs> Even national news, we saw him on the Dan Patrick show earlier today, so and it's just been so fun. I didn't see it. Did he have an outfit on? He, it was on the phone. So you oh, never know. Okay. Maybe he's just wearing it all the time now. <laughs> he did say that he hopes people are not expecting him to do it all the time. Now he was like, that, w- that was a one-time you know, thing. And Cam I'm like, Newton comes out in kind of a crazy outfit almost every press Right. Conference. So like, I think you he was trying it. to make sure he tempered everyone's expectations of this. This was a one-time, spur-of-the-moment, no-planning-involved thing. Um, but I just want to hear your thoughts on why you think Fitz has, p- has played so well and how sustainable is it? Because that's the question everyone has is how yeah. long can they continue to do this? Well, and that's the million-dollar question because before long we're going to have the elephant in the room when Jameis Winston's suspension is over and, uh, you know, who's going to be the starter for the bulk of the season. To this point, of course, and for reason, for good reason, Coach Cutter said that's not an issue for us to be discussing right now. Right. right? We need to be discussing Pittsburgh right now, and we'll see what happens. So – um, I lost my train of thought. What was the original part of the question? How long do you think Fitzpatrick can, can, can there's reason to believe. Idea? There's reason to believe he could sustain this. And one of those reasons, as Coach Cutter pointed out, after praising um, Fitzpatrick for a number of reasons, saying, and of course, look at the cast around him. Right. The offensive line is playing great in front of him, and he's got all these fantastic playmakers. You know, that really helps. And mm-hmm. so it would be reasonable for somebody who would be on the um, Jameis should be starting side to say, He's going to have access Anyone to the would same have weapons. This kind of access. Right. Yeah, that's true. But your simple question of can Fitz keep it going, I think he can because, as again, as Coach Cutter's pointed out on several occasions, this didn't come out of the blue. He's mm-hmm. had big games like this. There's a chance he wins NFC Offensive Player of the Week again this year, this right. week, because Patrick Mahomes is in the AFC. So he's, he's certainly got a good shot. He may be Matt Ryan. But if he does, that'll be his sixth, seventh overall, but his sixth in, since 2014. And the only guys who would have more in that span are Aaron Rodgers with eight and another quarterback who's uh, like Tom Brady or somebody has seven. 
I mean, wow. he he is capable of these big games, and not just once or twice. Right. You know. Yeah, that's a great point. Um, and I w- he's had such success in the passing game. Do you think is that yeah the running game has not been as prolific, but it seems like it's been what you needed it to be. So which do you think kind of came first? Is it the running game just hasn't been as necessary when they're throwing these 75-yard bombs? Yeah. Or are they throwing the 75-yard bombs because the running game no. isn't there? You know, everybody wants a balanced attack. As Coach Cutter will say, that's the hardest type of attack to defend. But he also says, you know, when something's working, right. you stick with it. I don't mm-hmm. care how we get 400 yards. Yeah. If we have to throw it on every play, then we will. Mm-hmm. And it's just been working. So why right. would you go away from it? It's I think broke. there's enough of a threat of the run that play action works. The very first play of the game, the 75-yard touchdown, we, w- we line up in a regular eye with Alan Cross as the fullback and, and just two receivers and a tight end, just a total – normal first down uh, uh, formation that looks probably like it's probably going to be a run. A lot of teams run out of that on first and ten and play action and touchdown, right? Yeah. And we, we use that. This is just what I remember, but I, I remember seeing that formation on the field at least three times, and every time I can recall, it was a pass. Mm-hmm. So there's enough of a threat of the, of the running game to at least give your play action some bite. But, no, it's not where it needs to be yet. And then uh, linebackers, is, I realized, a position we've not talked – a whole lot about. We've given a lot of attention to the pass rush, the defensive line overall, and the new look it has, the injuries because of the secondary and who's had to step up. We haven't talked a lot about the linebacker core. I wanted to hear your thoughts on the first couple games, and uh, we didn't have Kendall Beckwith and what that was going to look like. So what have been your thoughts on them? Well, I'd say the reason we're not talking about them is because, like we said leading into the season, you got this new look defensive line. You're going to talk about that a lot. You got issues in the secondary and some young guys there. The linebackers are, you know what you got. Right. I mean, Levante David and Quan Alexander are legitimate star linebackers. Mm-hmm. And to have both those guys running around, they're always on the field for every play because they're your nickel package as well. Uh, I don't personally recall a ton of plays that Adarius Taylor has made. He's not on the field as much, but I don't recall big breakdowns either. Right. I don't know if you do. And Levante and Quan have already made some big plays. Like mm-hmm. I referenced earlier, the uh, – the big tackle on Zach Ertz on fourth and a couple yards. I mean, this is this is vintage what Philadelphia does. Mm-hmm. They they put most of their players on one side of the offense, and then they split Zach Ertz on the other side, and they work it so that he is one-on-one mm-hmm. with whatever you decide to put over there. And sometimes it's a safety. In the Bucks case, in at least this case, they had Levante on him. That's just man-to-man coverage. Right, which is huge. So Zach Ertz runs – a pivot, which is a tough route to cover because the first thing you're worried about is what we did when we needed the first down on third down, the, the slant to, to um, Mike Evans. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing you worry about as a defender. You don't want to let him get that quick slant. Right. So a uh, pivot starts as an in, and then they pivot and go out. Right. It's a tough route to cover, and indeed, he ran it well. The pass was right on the money, but Levante's coverage was good enough that he was there to make the tackle and stop him like a yard and a half short. That's a great play by Levante David. That's huge. I love it. All right. Well, we hope to see all of you guys out there Monday night football. We need everyone on the Ring of Honor for Tony Dungy. That's going to be so fun as well. Thanks, as always, for joining us, and we'll see you back here next week.